Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are discussing music in film and television. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so there are many components to creating the perfect score or soundtrack to synchronize to visual images, films, or television. Um, so from composing music to selecting songs or understanding how to get licenses uh, for the music that you've chosen, um, it can be daunting a process like and, and challenging and expensive. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but um, undoubtedly, music creates uh, an atmosphere and helps the messenger or helps get the message uh, message. Oh, my gosh. Across <laughs> <laughs> um, to your viewers. And, and, you know, it's a really vital part of, of uh, visual entertainment, especially now. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you've ever watched like a scary movie with the sound off, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. It doesn't have quite <laughs> as much impact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that music for me is a huge part of film and TV. Like mm -hmm. it, it does everything. Like yeah. if you, you can watch a scene, have you seen those things on YouTube where it's like, if home alone were a scary movie, and they just put like scary music actually, behind, yeah. like, <laughs> and then they make it look like or Miss Doubtfire. They make it look like he's like a creepy old man <laughs> stalker. <laughs> like, yeah. And all totally. all they changed was the music. So like music has a huge impact on yeah. how you feel about something. It does. It does. Um, it does. And yeah, so today we're basically um, gonna talk about. Um, if you're a musician interested in getting your own music into TV and films, if you're interested in being the person that gets music for TV and films, which would be a music supervisor, we're going to talk about that. Um, and I mean, we're just big fans of music and TV and films. So mm -hmm. we had to uh, we had to make an episode about this pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. Because um, we're definitely like movie people and TV people. Um so Dustin, what are some of, or just give me, we'll go back and forth. So mm -hmm. what are like, what, who is one of your, um, favorite composers or just an example of music excellence in film and TV? Um, so I think a lot of people are going to know, um, Mr. John Williams, um, no relation. Um, <laughs> I wish though. It's his dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be crazy, dude. <laughs> Um, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Yeah, from, well, <laughs> um, or we, yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, obviously, you know, he's a very well accomplished composer, but if you're unfamiliar with the name, um, he's done everything from Star Wars to Jurassic Park to Back to the Future, Harry Potter. Um, I think he did Home Alone. Home Alone, Home Alone, really? Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. Um, Jaws. Jaws, uh, Indiana Jones. Harry I mean, Potter. I think I said that one already. Oh, did but, you? Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly a very accomplished uh, musician. And, um, you know, his his understanding of, of uh, or rather his ability, and, this is, you know, most good composers do this, but especially him, his ability to um, shift, you know, project to project um, and just have completely different vibes. Like, you know, one, one, you know, Star Wars, the intro theme is so, 
you know, heroic and, and powerful. And then you have Jaws and it's just like scary and haunting. And, you know, so he really knows how to kind of cross the gambit. I think that one thing that I really love about John Williams is his ability to create a theme. Like it's not so much just like soundscape, which yeah. is such a popular thing now. Yeah. Totally. And for good reason, like it totally creates the mood. But like I any of those soundtracks that we just named, I could sing the, main the melody. Yeah. To them. yeah, absolutely. So that's that's definitely a big part of his composition and what makes him so memorable. Mm -hmm. Like for the soundscape composers, like, yes, they made the movie memorable, but like I couldn't tell you like a song that they wrote because it was mostly just tones and stuff. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. John Williams, it's like, oh yeah, like he wrote everything. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I mean, like, yeah. like, and, and you know, I mean, we're, I wish we would like to play some examples, but just to, you know, avoid like having to deal with licensing and copyright stuff, we're, we're going to stick to just talking about it. But, you know, um, you take like, like again, like the one I mentioned, like the Star Wars theme, which you know, da 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 da, da very major scale, very uplifting, happy yeah. and powerful. You take Jaws, but up, right, two notes, a minor second apart, very Phrygian or like diminished sounding. It's it's it just reeks of of like tension. Yeah, you know. Um, Did John Williams write the Superman theme for the old Superman movie too? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. But it reminded me because he uses a lot of perfect fifths, not to get like super sure. musical, but well, like. But that's why we're here, right? He does, he does that all the time, yeah. right? Like, ba, 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 da, 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 da. and yeah. Superman, which I'm pretty sure he wrote. I'm sorry if he didn't, but it's literally just, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, right. Da, yeah. Na, na, na. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. the same thing, kind of, sort of. Um, so, you know, we could we could do an episode diving more into the musical part. Um, like Dustin was saying, we probably couldn't play the original songs, but we can kind of come up with our own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, John Williams, like theme master, master of the theme. Master of the theme, <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, one of my favorites that's not quite so popular, like everybody knows his music, but they don't know his name, is James Horner. Mm -hmm. um, he works a lot with James Cameron. Right. Um, so like Alien movies, um, Titanic. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's done several things since then. Probably Avatar. Um, Did he do probably. Avatar? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know. But he's one of my favorites just because he's he's not so much of the theme guy, mm -hmm. but he really is like a chameleon of whatever genre he's doing. With Aliens, obviously, it was just spooky, scary soundscape stuff. Mm-hmm. And then with like the Titanic, um, he just jumped right into the Irish theme. Yeah, yeah. And I love that thing. soundtrack so much. Like yeah. I think it's so cool. Mm. Um, he captured so many essence, like the essence of basically he made like the ship itself a character. Yeah, totally. Through the music. And mm -hmm. that's really, really cool. It's powerful. Like, how do you make a boat a character in a movie? <laughs> and he did it. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so he's a really big one for me um and then we were also talking we both love danny elfman oh yeah dude nightmare before christmas i mean i mentioned this when we were talking about it earlier but like he he's uses a lot of uh, melodic minor in that movie and like um which is a really kind of haunting weird scale um and uh to, you know unless you're playing jazz it's kind of hard to make that scale work a lot right. of the time like harmonic minor is a little easier because it's mo mostly a minor scale with a major seven but Melodic is a little trickier, and the way he does it is very, very seamless. Um, like, uh, what's that one part where he goes? Um, it's that like the last song they sing in the movie, Jack and and um, um, oh my God, Sally, Sally, thank yeah. you. Um, 
it's like that. Yeah. Like right at the end. Turns it so into the main. Major. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I love Danny so Elfman. Good. What I love about him too is he came from like a rock band. Well, I don't know if I would classify them as a rock band. They were kind of just, they were such a good band from Los Angeles called Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Oingo Boingo. And if you haven't heard of them, you would know them from like movies like Weird Science. Mm-hmm. And stuff like mm-hmm. weird science. Yeah. Like he was, he, he, what I loved about that band is they were literally a band, you know, they played instruments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even that music was so composed. Yeah. Like I can sure. totally see why Tim Burton was like, you can do this, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure was his first ever like composition i think so yeah which is like and he's just been with tim burton ever since so like the fact that you know he came from not composing at all to making some of the most memorable music in like film history and it's so recognizable too Mm -hmm. like when we were sitting upstairs because my favorite's beetlejuice and Mm -hmm. i was sitting at the table like boom 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 (laughs) (laughs) and we both just started singing it like <laughs> I love it so much. It is so good. It <laughs> it's is so, so good. iconic, right? And so, yeah, he has, I don't know how to describe him. I mean, it's just such a thing. Like, it's like, I think I said upstairs, It was. it's like a lot of his music kind of has that like creepy, like clown, like um, circus vibe totally, to it, you yeah. know? And like, and um, I didn't realize this until years later that he was, and a lot of people probably know this, but he was the one who voiced the the singing part of Jack's voice in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know he was a damn good singer too. This yeah. is before I knew about Oingo. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, they were, yeah. I love Danny Elfman. I think he's just like one of those rare, like musical genius kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like he can just jump into anything and like make it Great. so cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Like there's no way I could have done what he did on like Edward Scissorhands. And you know, what's mm. funny. A lot of people com- or say about him, criticize him for everything kind of sounds the same. But yeah. I think that it's just like, he has like a sound. Well, like Just like John Williams. You yeah, were just saying the perfect fifth thing. Yeah, like, it's so different yeah. that like everybody's like, oh, that's Danny Elfman. Everything sounds the same. I'm like, but the themes are different. It's yeah. just like the sound that's the same. And I think yeah, that that's exactly. so cool. It's I mean, like could, a signature. You could say that about Green Day. Like, well, that's you true. take their discography. It's like, yeah, all the songs are different, but it kind of has the same vibe because that's right. their sound. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how people like pick and choose like, you know, artists or composers like that. And it's like, oh, it all sounds the same. It's like, I mean, aesthetically it has a vibe. Yeah. So it's going to. It's just like, that's kind of, art i mean look van gogh like as an artist like all of his paintings had the same vibe yeah they were different but they had the same vibe yeah it was all like the impressionist yeah dashes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah no i mean i definitely agree i love danny elfman i think that he's awesome um for sure and you know this is a little bit cheesier but um I really think that for what they did, the Sherman brothers were amazing. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like Disney, Mm -hmm. like to, and if you haven't seen, um, what was that movie? Um, Saving Mr. Banks. I actually haven't seen that. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It It was about the, um, making of like Mary Poppins and it shows like the, um, the author of Mary Poppins, uh, was very critical about having her movie, or having her book made into a movie, especially mm-hmm. by Disney, because she saw Disney as like 
the stupid guy that does cartoons. Yeah, yeah. And like Mary Poppins was a very serious book to mm-hmm. her. And um, so the Sherman brothers are like, you know, super califragilistic, expialidocious. And yeah. she's like, shoot me now. <laughs> but like, you know, they were so creative and they just yeah. were so like on top of just that Disney sound. And it, you know, even though a lot of people... That's another example of just like a signature sound. Yeah, for sure. Like you for can sure. hear something and you just immediately know it's Disney. That's it's Disney. It's just like yep. whimsical, like da 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 da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so like catchy, and um, so I definitely I think that they're up on my list as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we definitely can't leave the composer realm without talking about Hans Zimmer. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I I wish I like I, I know I should know more of the stuff he's done for sure. Like, I know I would know it if I heard it, but like Interstellar, I think is when I mentioned. Inception. Um, Inception. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very soundscape. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, like, like at least the, the former was all organ and like, mm-hmm. it never felt like it was missing anything. Yeah. Um, what are he, some of his other things? He's very opposite to me of John Williams and that he's not so much of a theme guy. Like people know his music, like time from Inception is probably mm-hmm. his most famous piece Mm -hmm. um, because I've just seen a lot of people cover it on piano and it is really really cool but it's not something you could sit here and (laughs) you know it's it's just it creates a mood and so I feel like they are probably the top two most famous composers right now who Zimmerman Uh, um, John Williams Williams? yeah and and Hans Zimmerman but they're totally so different different, they're like opposites Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. John Williams, if you had got John Williams for Inception, it probably would have been like, boom, doom, doom, gunner. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, totally. And Hans totally. Zimmer's just like, ooh. <laughs> so different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sure, you know, sure. it's just theme versus soundscape, which is just, you know, both are like valid. They just totally create a different mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess, you know, if you are a um, film producer or a music supervisor and you're looking for a composer, definitely like listen to what they've done in the past and get a sense of their style. Yeah. Because it can totally change the movie. Like if Danny Elfman wrote the theme for Star Wars, it would be a very different movie. Oh, yeah. Like for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. It would totally it would have <laughs> such a different vibe. Probably wouldn't like, be as good. I don't boom, know. Boom. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The Imperial well, March would yeah. be like a like a doo-wop, like boom, mm, mm, mm. yeah, totally, <laughs> Just like totally. coming in like the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. I would love that if if there's like a super talented composer that wants to take that idea and make a YouTube video. That oh, would I'm be great. sure there's got to be somebody. There's got to be right? right. Yeah, Danny Elfman composes Star, Star Wars. Wars. Oh man, that would be wild. <laughs> that would be so fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are some composers that. We just wanted to like throw out there. Most people have probably heard of them, but we just wanted to give them a shout out because yeah. we love their work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, so I, I also like uh, want to throw some names out there that are from the video game industry because mm-hmm. like that's a whole new thing, right? As far as like composing music, at least since I guess the 80s or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so like most most people listening to this have probably heard the Super Mario theme song, um, Koji Kondo, um, I believe. And... Um, what's interesting about that is that the, you know, back in the day, like memory for games was very limited. So, um, he had to work with 8-bit and like chiptune sounds, which is why it sounds so like digital and, and like not real, but like, you know, if you really like dig into the melodies and, and like 
um, you know, like the main uh, theme song from Mario has almost this like Caribbean like vibe, which is really interesting because like Mario's Italian. It is made by a Japanese creator and then it's like Caribbean music. It's like... Yeah, it sounds like something you'd hear when you get off a cruise ship yeah. on like a steel drum. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I've heard covers on steel drum like more than anything else, like of of that particular song for whatever reason. That is awesome. Um, so he's a big one. Um, I'm also a huge fan of uh, the Assassin's Creed series, which um, I think has had more than one composer, but Jesper Kidd, I believe, is the main one. Um, and what I like about his style, I'll have to show you some of the stuff sometime because it's like a combination of orchestral, like symphonic stuff, but then he also has like electric, like heavy guitars and like, nice. like very rock and roll, kind of like. Um, Is it like symphonic metal kind of stuff? Or? No, that's no, I wouldn't say that. That's almost more like, like doom um for those of you who played the doom series it's like death metal as like the backing track which That's is really cool. cool i mean it's like fighting like demons with like machine guns and stuff and blowing stuff up it's supposed to be very like aggressive um but no it's i wouldn't say it's like symphonic metal it's like he'll it's very subtle like like it'll be very orchestral and then this like lead guitar like legato lick will come in and it's very like i don't know there's just something about it that that's like a cool blend of those two different like vibes um yeah so big fan of him i'm also a big fan of the mass effect series um so uh the the bigger ones um involved in the series at least from the beginning is like jack wall sam hollick um but there's also uh richard Jacques um and david cates um but what's cool about the mass effect series is because it's sci-fi it has to have almost this like futuristic sound mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like synthesizer mixed in with, uh, again, like symphonic, like, you know, strings and brass and stuff. So it's a really cool, like, um, again, blend, different than Assassin's Creed, um, you know, Jesper Kidd's stuff, but like still like a, a cool combination of those two things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, game music, what's interesting about that too is like, um, you really have to like compose with a, in a way that like, Okay, so like say you're in a boss battle, right? Well, that boss battle could go on for a fucking while. So like there has to be themes that kind of come in and out that keep it from getting boring, but they can't come in too early because if you win the ba the battle quickly, then like, you know, that theme uh, it is never gets heard or, or it gets, you know, heard too quickly. Or I don't know how to, to, to say it. But no, I know what you mean though. So, it's, it's all about placement yeah, and how you program exactly, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and and honestly, I'm not like super familiar with the in industry side of it. I've just like, you know, like seen YouTube videos with interviews with these composers and how they were, you know, how they worked. And um, it's a very different medium, but it's just as important because, you know, imagine playing Super Mario and all you're hearing is just like, boing, boing. Terrible. Yeah, it totally changes it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I'm not much of a gamer, which I'm, I know is not, <laughs> not great. So lame. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, you super know. lame. Um, but I will say, I mean, the whole art of it is pretty amazing. Mm. I mean, the whole art of video games in general to me is amazing. It's and how, yeah. how advanced it's gotten so quickly. Like, because we'll laugh. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. Okay. So the last video game until recently, until Dustin let me play a video game. <laughs> the last video game I had played was Guitar Hero 3. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I was like, whoa, like, look at how real Slash looks. 
<laughs> you know what he's I mean? Like, he's like triangles and squares. <laughs> and he went mad. I know, I, I know. Okay. It was better than that. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and like, for the most part, like I played that a few times, but for the last 10 years, like if I have played a game, it's been my Nintendo 64. Hell yeah, dude. So like, Such that's, a great console. That's seriously like pixels. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, you can see they're huge. And so, um, you know, just for me recently, I played um, Grand Theft Auto. Which one was it? <laughs> Five. Five. Whoa. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, I could do whatever I want. Games have changed quite this a bit. This is nuts. Yeah. Like on the Nintendo 64, if you like try to go into the audience, it was like, and you just like ran in place and like you couldn't go any further. Right. And right. now it's like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. That's it's pretty, wild. pretty amazing. I know that I'm sounding like an old lady right now, but my mind is blown. No, I think I think anyone who's listening who's a big gamer is gonna be like, Yeah, all right. She's into she's getting into gaming because yeah. like it is, you know, it's such a fun like activity and it's like, you know, modern games have just grown so much that there's like infinite possibilities you know, for so many games and, and, um, and, you know, it, uh, it's opened up avenues, uh, for musicians to make a living. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so like composing for, uh, film and TV, there's, there's a, like a lot of things obviously that, that go into that. Um, I know you mentioned earth earlier, something about Berkeley's program. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, they had definitely have one online. They also have one in person, I believe that's just composition for film and TV. Mm. And so um, that's pretty cool because not only do, so the teachers are in it, like mm -hmm. they're composers for film and TV, but your assignments are you get assigned a, um, just a clip from like a video. Because mm -hmm. um, I took one class on it, but it wasn't like extensive. The, the professor I had was Brad Hatfield and he has been the composer for um, soap operas for like mm. 35 years, which is, it sounds like that wouldn't be impressive, but the more I learned about it, I was Dude. like, that's kind of crazy because yeah. they release a new episode every day. Is it's it five, every day? It's Monday through Friday, Whoa. every single day. So he's been on The Young and the Restless wow. since like the late 80s. And Damn. so like he talked about how stressful it is. Like it's constant work. Like yeah. you don't, you don't get vacation really I, unless yeah. you get ahead of it. Like right, you have right. to plan for yourself to go on vacation. I mm -hmm. mean, it's, and, and if they cut a scene, you have to be ready like within the next three hours to write a song for that new scene, mm -hmm. like immediately. Yeah. And so, yes, in wow. some ways, like it wouldn't be quite as hard as some of the other composition we're talking about because it's just so dramatic. Mm -hmm. It's like, she slept with her husband. <laughs> da -da! <You> know? like, <laughs> so like in that way, it's not quite so, so thought provoking, but just the amount of work that goes into it is crazy. Mm -hmm. But he's also done, if I remember right, um, cause I think he's the big, um, he's the main professor for music supervision and composition for film and TV, not okay. the video game part. Cause mm -hmm. Berkeley also has a composition for video game mm -hmm. part. And I think that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, he had done, like, just tons of shows and movies. Um, he had a song in, like, Iron Man 2 or something cool. that he composed. Nice. So, like, it's really cool. Um, so that's definitely a program worth checking out. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have the money to go in person, I did those courses online, and I felt like I got a lot out of them mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah, you, I get assigned, like yeah. you get assigned a video, and you get instructions of what they're looking for, and then you just have to 
write a song to it using whatever doll you want to use. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know that you would get anything more if you went in person. Yeah. So if you don't have enough money to go in person, um, take it online. And those may be courses you don't even have to get a degree in. You could just like work towards a certificate or something or just take a course to take a course. Right. Um, so definitely look into that. And I also looked up online, Juilliard has a mini course, but I don't know anything about Juilliard, so I can't speak for it. <clears throat> and I know that Juilliard is more classically based. Right. So it may be more of like the orchestral arrangement part of it mm-hmm. than, you know. Um, but yeah, definitely check those out. Um, and if you're really wanting to do composition from what I gathered and I haven't really tried to do this. So I've only written one composition for um, a TV show and it didn't get picked up. But I mean, I can talk about it because it was really challenging. It was um, basically it was an indie um, project, Mm. but they were a group of kids in the 90s who were playing Dungeons and Dragons early 90s. And they like get thrown into the game basically Mm -hmm. and so it was like a jumanji almost kind of yeah yeah yeah. but it was very so they were like we want like early 90s like grunge influence mixed with like whimsical like pan flutes and like medieval instruments and i was just like all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i had to do like a ton of research at first on like medieval music and like what make like scales mm-hmm. what makes medieval music sound like it does because mm-hmm. i knew what makes grunge sounds like it sounds right. like it does yeah, so yeah. i ended up kind of coming up with this like it was almost like this rage against the machine kind of backup thing hmm. with like the flutes and stuff played the melody cool it was interesting yeah. i mean i don't know that it was great I, I'd love I to hear it sometime. I don't think I was it. the reason why it did get picked up. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was challenging. And so it's definitely like, if it is something that you want to learn, um, you know, you can go to school for it. But as far as getting a career in it, but my main takeaway from taking those classes was networking, mm-hmm. which, yep. you know, is the what they say for everything. But honestly, just try to find like local indie films in your area mm-hmm. that need music. Yeah. Because I mean, that's that the only time I've done it, that's what it was. It was like a friend uh, at a local theater who was trying to make a show out of a live show, improv show idea that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically where I met him was um, he invited me to play music at this live. They played Dungeons and Dragons live on a stage. Fuck yeah. And dude. so I love it. it was the first time That's I had so ever cool. played it. And uh-huh. it was super nerve wracking. Yeah. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I was <laughs> on a stage in front of like a crowd of people. That's so cool. <laughs> so like, but I was a bard. And oh, so like yeah, yeah, I played yeah. guitar mm-hmm. yep. like while they did stuff. So I was like the soundtrack to the game. That's so cool. And then I was also a character when it was my turn, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that was how I met him. And so basically he was like, we're kind of wanting to turn this into a TV show. So it can be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It can be. Um, you know, local theaters, a lot of those people are trying to be actors, right? Like yeah. for, for a living. So mm-hmm. they'll, you know, they may know somebody that's trying to be a director and they're trying to do an indie film in your area. Yeah. So getting stuff like that, um, can be huge. Yeah. I, actually, it's funny. So I just realized, um, and I guess I forgot about it cause it didn't actually end up panning out in the long run, but Kane and I actually worked together 
um, we got hired to do music for a um, potential TV show um, nice. back in like 2020 or 21. I can't remember. I think it was 2020, maybe the end of it. Um, but it was going to be called, um, well, I don't know if I can, I guess I can say the name. Watch it be the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I know, right. No, I'm uh, just kidding. Vod Villains. And it was supposed okay. to be kind of like this um, sketch comedy kind of vibe. And they would have like these kind of comedy songs, sort of like um, maybe a little bit like um, Lonely Island. SNL kind okay. of thing. Yeah, but like, that's funny. Um, yeah, and it was interesting. And, and we wrote uh, some pretty cool stuff and like kind of went off um, some stuff that some of the other musicians that were kind of part of the project had, had put together. Um, and then we had to kind of like create our own stuff. And um, and this is way before like, you know, I had access to more like equipment. So we were just using like, you know, a, a, like a two channel interface, just like recording, you know, some bass and I guitar. Did. And yeah, yeah. And, and it's fine. Most people get away with that. Uh, for a living anyway um but uh it, it, like i said it didn't end up like working i think we just like we didn't hear from anyone for a while and then it was just kind of like fell apart and that's the music industry in a nutshell yeah <laughs> but uh it was fun yeah I mean, we, we didn't have any visuals to go off of though so like we really had to like i don't know you i guess you didn't either right I didn't. yeah so no, and be... we went back and forth a few times because mm -hmm. like i would have an idea and then they'd be like um, you know, we were expecting, or we wanted more of like a, I don't know, a more melodic thing for the flutes and mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So I, I had to tweak it a couple times. Um, but I will say even with local projects, cause we both probably got burned on this. I'm assuming yeah, I did yeah. for local <laughs> projects, still make sure that you get, um, a contract, which we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, we had one. You did have one. Yeah. They still burnt you. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking because these people were my friends, that wouldn't happen. <clears throat> yep. I just didn't, it wasn't worth pursuing because it wasn't a big amount of money by any means. It was just like some hired gun, like low level freelance yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's whatever. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so that would be called a composer agreement. Mm -hmm. And it would say what your deliverables are when when it's due, how much you're going to get paid, mm -hmm. how it's going to be used, who it's going to belong to once you turn it in. Usually it's a work for hire. Yep. So you get paid a flat fee and then they keep it. Uh, but depending on your clout, it could not be a work for hire. <laughs> just yeah. depends on what, you, what you're able to negotiate. But right. yeah. Um, and then also just um, you can join a union for musicians and composers, which we could do a whole episode on unions, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um but um, AFM, which is the American Federation of Musicians, um, they're not really as popular as they used to be, honestly, because not mm -hmm. as many people are playing orchestral instruments for a living anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, it's really a good way um, to network if you're a composer or an orchestra player or, um, you know, just something in that realm. Right. It, yeah. Once you're in the union, they have events and you can meet people. And mm -hmm. so that could be a really good way to get into. And they guarantee if you get a job, you get paid. Yeah, you're right. Like so. they, there's like union <laughs> rates. There's like, you know, a lot of legal kind of like kind of protection, I guess you can get through it. Um, yeah. And like you can even get like insurance through it. I've I've looked into joining the, the union. I'm just not really on a on a 
big enough level for it to be worth paying the fee. And there are two like you nobody. What am I trying to say? Not just anybody can join it. Right. Like you do yeah. have to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, I believe you have to have two people. Um, what's the word? Not Vouch represent you. you. Yeah, basically, mm. two union members have to sign off on you. Oh, really? Basically, to hmm. join. So you. Um, but it's not hard. I mean, they have a whole community online. If you're a good enough musician or a composer and you want to join, you could find people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially since they need members. Yeah, right, right now. Yeah. Um, they have to stay afloat, probably. Yeah, they're not doing quite as well as like, you know, in like movies you hear about like SAG AFTRA mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, like, oh, I'm part of the the SAG guild, guild. or whatever. Screen Actors yeah. Guild, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's not like that. It's not like because a lot of people hire musicians who aren't part of a union just because they don't want to pay the union rate. Right. So mm-hmm. they'll avoid unions for that reason. Mm-hmm. People don't really do that with SAG because SAG comes after you. Oh, And it's yeah. like, you didn't use SAG after. And like everybody's pretty much part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anybody who's like notable, yeah. like a notable actor, um, at least that I know of. Because I think once you hire somebody from like one person who's in a union you have to hire everybody oh union. like if you're doing a film like if you hire yeah. one actor okay I didn't you know, know that. all that mm. stuff at the end of the movie like at the very very end where it's like those little logos uh-huh. yeah that's all of them it's right like, okay all the okay. actors were provided by these things all the sense. musicians were provided by that yeah um you know and there's unions for all kinds of stuff for tv and film um actors have unions stage hands have unions mm-hmm. that's the i iatsi i a T-S-E, however you pronounce that. And they have different localities everywhere. Mm Kind of the same deal. Um, So yeah, everybody kind of has a union for film and TV. So if it's something you really want to get into, I would probably recommend that. Yeah, looking into it at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Then there's the flip side of it, right? So composing, scoring, that's kind of its own thing. Um, Obviously, it's usually more so... um, well, it doesn't have to be instrumental, but usually it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, we've watched plenty of movies where they just have popular songs. And sometimes yeah. those are the most popular movies. Like m- one of my favorites is Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Love Tarantino. Like, and he is, his, he's everything in his movies as everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> he like picks yeah. everything. But like his music supervision is on point for oh, his movies. Yeah. Like he's so good at. Just knowing like obs- they were once obscure and now they're not obscure because they were in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Um, so he is so good. Um, he's so good at choosing songs to fit scenes for me. Um, like his most recent one. And now I listen to this song on the reg like mm-hmm. all the time was the end of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like the ending where he like does you know, the acid. I actually, that's the only one I haven't seen yet. I know. I know. Oh I need God. to get on it. I own it and it's my favorite. Really? You should come we watch should, it yeah, at my house. We should watch it sometime for <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so much fun. It's so good. <laughs> so anyway, at the end, there's like this crazy scene and it's like building up. And so Quentin Tarantino like literally made his own edit of this song to fit the scene. Oh, cool. So I guess he got like a total master use license to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, I mean, it was... Really, what, really cool. Don't spoil the movie, but what song was it? It was, um, so you know the song You Keep Me Hanging On by the Supremes? Mm-hmm. Set me free. It yeah. was the vanilla fudge version of that song. 
Nice. Okay. It. I know it sounds cheesy. Those that have seen the movie are like, fuck yeah. But Dustin's sitting here with a questionable look. No, I mean, just because I haven't seen it, so I don't have context. <laughs> yeah, but like, so, I'm sure it's, it's great. It's so cool. I and love now, Tarantino. Like, I so. listen to it all the time in the car. <laughs> I'm just like, ooh, that movie was so cool. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll watch <laughs> yeah, it for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love Quentin Tarantino's uh, music supervision. But there are so many movies that have really good soundtracks. Like recently, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, mm-hmm. just because they used 70s and 80s music yeah. that was so like popular. Totally, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, just classics, Footloose, Flashdance, um, Top Gun, like just pe- soundtracks, movies that people bought the soundtracks just to have those songs. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many of them that I just love. And so this is, wait, you had one, right? What was that um, a soundtrack that you really, really liked? Um, I could be blanking. I may have already said it. From a particular movie? No, it's okay. I don't remember. It's It doesn't matter. But yeah, there are so many movies mm-hmm. that have just like great soundtracks. Yeah. So this is kind of a whole different part of um, the flip side of the coin, I guess. Yeah. Um, so whole different part of the, not of the industry, but just of music from film and TV. And so there's a ton of ways that this can be organized and it kind of depends on the film's budget. Yeah. But usually you'll have like a music supervisor. Mm-hmm. It can be one person or it can be a team of people. Um, And there are so many um, companies that do it for like big Hollywood, Mm -hmm. that do music supervision for for big projects. Um, And, and, you know, they obviously have bigger budgets, so their soundtracks are usually way more impressive. Like I really loved the uh, music supervision in that Netflix show Grace and Frankie Mm -hmm. because it just fit the show so well it was like whimsical kind of funky it just like but the song selection just fit it perfectly Mm -hmm. and so that's a good example of like huge budget (laughs) music supervision yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be that way I mean so basically a music supervisor is kind of the everything for securing music for a film right um other than the composer so you know, they find the artists, they they find the song. So let me go through the whole process. So they get a cue sheet mm-hmm. from the director and the editors. And they say from at this point, usually the editing is completely done. The video editing. Yeah. And they right, just need right. music added now. So mm-hmm. it'll the cue sheet will say from minute, blah, 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 second, blah, 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 to this time we need lighthearted sounds like. The Supremes or something. Right, yeah, And totally. so then you have to find a song that fits it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so depending on your budget, that could be a wide range of songs. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have a small budget, it could be like a music library, mm-hmm. like um, Taxi or Audio Socket, Jingle Punks, Heavy Hitters, Crucial Music, um, Warner Chapel production music if you have like really really good stuff you can submit to that one Uh the other ones i think pretty much i know taxi pretty much takes open submissions Mm -hmm. to some degree yeah um they still have to choose your song but you can submit it regardless i think i've done that i think like the sagas or silver comet i think submitted some stuff to taxi we didn't get anything from it but we submitted yeah yeah yeah. but they have open submissions so Mm -hmm. that's kind of a big deal and there are some more suited for like classical or like um jazz and stuff right like just music libraries that specialize in that 
But um, so if their budget isn't huge or say this scene, they don't have the budget to afford like a Beatles song, they'll go into a music library and find something close. Right. And right. use that. And and with music libraries, the licensing and everything is kind of included in the price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like, uh, you know, for for just side note for artists out there that are listening that that, you know, you're you're a let's say you're a band or you're like a singer songwriter. Um, this is one of the best ways to make money now um, in in the industry because you know album sales are it doesn't happen yeah um, <laughs> so it's like live shows and licensing um, Truett um, has uh, gotten some songs on um, Shameless and uh, I think Westworld maybe um, which is huge because you know those are pretty big shows but obviously like you know maybe they couldn't afford to to get like a Beatles song or, you know, right. like a really big artist. Did so, he submit to a music library? I don't remember if he okay. submitted to the library or because I think it, it's a friend of his that he knows that works for the company. And I think he was oh. able to send it through her. So like, you know, again, they, that comes back to the networking thing, yeah. you know, like just like getting your foot in the door is kind of the hardest part at first. And 100%. Once you, yeah. Right. Which is, you know, again, anything's like that. But once you do... Um, like if you've had your stuff placed on one thing, like your the likelihood of you getting another placement really goes up for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a percentage measurement for that, I'm sure, but probably, you know, I don't know the stats, but right. I would assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so music libraries are huge. Um, but so if a music supervisor does have a big enough budget where say the director is like, no, this scene has to have we are the champions. We by are the Queen. champions. <laughs> by Queen. Um, then it's the music supervisor's job or his team, whoever he hires. In theory, it's his job, but mm -hmm. you can outsource it well, if you yeah. don't have time. Mm -hmm. But um, to track down every single writer mm -hmm. for that song and who owns the masters for that song. Right. So remember going back, we still haven't done a total video on this, but we've talked about it a good bit. So copyright is split into two things, right? So you've got the song itself, which is like, you know, the lyrics the and music. Mm -hmm. And then you have like the sound recording. So if you want to use We Are the Champions, you have to find the label or whoever that owns that sound recording. And then you have to find who owns the copyrights. Um, so yeah, it would be like Freddie Mercury's estate, Brian May. Mm -hmm. Like you have to track down those people and get yeah, them to all sure. sign off on Basically, it's just like a synchronization and master use license. So synchronization is for the composition, saying we're going to put your song to... Visual medium. Visual media, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sync it to, to visuals. And then the master use is we're going to use the master. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you kind of send those at the same time. And if it's a TV show, you also can uh, add performance into that. So it would be a synchronization, or, yeah. uh, performance, and master use license. Um which is basically, yeah, every time your uh, song is performed on a TV show, you get a performance royalty, which would be like BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. Mm -hmm. Ooh, there's one more now. Is there? just became a thing. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's a global one. It's called like G something. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I don't remember. I'm sorry. But I, I, could, I could look it up. But we'll talk about it in an episode specifically for copyright stuff. Um but that's like that's like one of the things that that that's why like movies can take like three years to get out because like filming I think a lot of the time only lasts like three or four months. Yeah. Like 
but then you have all the post-production of course but like just getting the the rights to use music and like getting all the legalities in order post-production is, like, is where all of the time takes really yeah yeah for sure yeah because you have to edit the video you have to edit and we haven't even gotten to once you pick the songs you have to send it to the editor right to make it how so if it's supposed to be played on the radio in the restaurant that you're in in the movie mm -hmm. you have to edit it to only be highs right <laughs> you right. know what i yeah, mean so sure. that it sounds like a radio mm -hmm. highs and mids mid highs so um so yeah like that's just as important and so you can go back and forth on that too yeah. um i think for really low budget productions the music supervisor and the editor kind of like weave into each other <laughs> yeah like you're just in charge of the music yeah. like if you're doing an indie production for a local film that'll probably be what ends up happening yeah, yeah. um but you know obviously depending on how big the movie is we've all seen the movies where the credits take like 10 minutes and you're waiting for the one scene at the end that mm -hmm. you know is gonna marvel be movies there. yeah yeah and the credits are like <laughs> <laughs> it's because like there's so many people yeah um but yeah and so um so you would basically, so if you're the music supervisor and you've tracked down Brian May and gotten his information, um, then you would send a license proposal. Mm. So that would basically say like, we can pay <laughs> for that song. It would probably be like $50,000 for a, you know, montage scene wow. using yeah. We Are the Champions and, um, you know, for... 30s and you have to be very specific because some artists don't want their stuff in especially commercials mm -hmm. like artists really have yeah. a big deal with like commercials because they don't want to be affiliated with the product right so you have to be very specific um or like here's a good example of one that i know just because i really like steve perry and journey but uh at the end of the sopranos like the final scene of the whole show mm -hmm. they wanted to use don't stop leaving and everybody signed off on it because it was top show on tv mm -hmm. except for steve perry because he was like i don't want the song to be playing if everybody dies so you're gonna have to tell me what yeah. happens uh -huh. and they're like well we can't like the show is you know they're like super top secret about yeah. like how it ends and steve perry's like i'm not gonna have my song playing if everybody in the show dies to it yeah and so they had to sign like they had to tell him like so you have to be really specific i'm sure he had to sign come some kind of non-disclosure yeah, for sure but like still like yeah. he wouldn't let them use the song that they wanted unless they told him exactly how they were going to use it and i don't blame him i yeah. mean you know like i i would be totally down if everybody was like dying to don't stop believing because the juxtaposition is just yeah. hilarious but <laughs> you know in a film in a film format um, yeah but uh yeah no i get i get where he's coming from yeah know. and so that you know you have to put that in the license proposal exactly how it's used exactly how long mm -hmm. what you're going to get paid just stuff like that yeah um and then you can send that license contract for them to officially sign right um and kind of the same thing for tv like we were talking about tv composer agreements basically the same idea it's yeah. just more of a work for hire usually than a licensing thing yeah um, and then one other thing that's not film and TV, but since we're kind of on this same topic of like background music, mm -hmm. say that you want like to get your, so there's a running joke, right? With uh, several friends of mine, I'm sure it's like way beyond that, but mm -hmm. they always say like Rob Thomas is like grocery store music. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like yeah. every time you're in a grocery store, all you hear is like, you're so smooth. <laughs> well, dude, yeah, but now now it's like 
the music that we grew up on because we're old enough to be going to grocery stores because we're buying food for our right. families or so, households, you know. So so the reason why that is, right? So like the running the running joke is mm. Rob Thomas is the grocery store music guy. Okay. So like grocery stores have to get uh background music license agreements, mm -hmm. which is basically like whoever they can get it from, whoever they want, mm -hmm. they have to say like, you know, we're going to use this in a commercial establishment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's usually for a spe specified length of time, right? which for most of this film and TV stuff, it's going to be in worldwide in perpetuity throughout the universe is usually how they word that. So really? like they say throughout the universe. That's yeah. So heady. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Movies on Mars, man. Yeah. Right. But yeah, they never want to pay for this again. Yeah. So it's yeah. $50,000 plus royalties in perpetuity worldwide. Or throughout the universe. Mm -hmm. However, however, it's usually throughout the universe if it's like a big production and they paid a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> like you could negotiate it how you want. Yeah. But um, yeah. So this, the background music license agreements are more like short period of time. Yeah. Like right. Five years. We can play Rob Thomas in our grocery store, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which is understandable because say like, you know, Publix says something racist and you don't want your music yeah. played in like right. Publix anymore. That mm -hmm. would be a good time to get out. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, but that kind of covers like the music supervision part of it. Um, so if that's something that you want to get into too, or you want to get in on the music side of it, music libraries, again, networking, just getting to know people. Um, for, for this kind of stuff, it would really be helpful on the business side of it, like music supervision, that side of it, to go somewhere where movies are getting made. So yeah, like Atlanta, sure. Los Angeles, mm. New York, just somewhere where you can actually meet people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's basically kind of it in a nutshell. Do you have any last thoughts on that? Um, no, I mean, I guess I can, I just want to offer like two quick experiences that, that I've had that um, kind of made me realize like that it is um, a real opportunity that you can like dive into no matter what your level. Because like, you know, I mean, I'm still obviously a very much of a local musician and and you know I've, I've toured and all that but it's not like i don't have any kind of massive following i don't have any kind of like big production deal you know whatever i follow you <laughs> uh, yes and i follow you and i appreciate it um <laughs> <laughs> but um so uh a couple years ago um a friend that i've met through work um his main job is uh he works as like an editor um and like tv and film um, and he was doing, uh, a production, I think for like 11 alive or something. It was like local bands performing on TV. Um, it was like being filmed and then they put it up on TV like a week later or two. Um, and it was like a trio that performed. I don't remember their name and I don't think I would say it anyway. Um, but, uh, they, uh, it, like the recording that they were using was like from the, the live performance. And I guess it was just like a little thin, like it kind of lacked some layers. They felt like it was, it wasn't going to translate, excuse me, translate as well. So, um, my friend hit me up and was like, Hey, like, you know, would you mind maybe like adding some stuff? Like, I think maybe they didn't have, um, they had bass, they had guitar and drums, they, but they wanted another guitar and they wanted some keys and I don't play keys at all, but I can program keys well enough. Um, like, like not even like piano playing, but just like pads, yeah. right? Pads. 
Um, so I did like an organ pad and like some lead guitar and, and one other thing. And it was, again, it was like a work for hire agreement. It was just like one and done, you know, here's your money and, yeah. and do the thing. But, um, but that was really fun. Um, and it was pretty easy. I mean, I, I knocked it out in like a day, like a couple hours. Cause it was like a three minute song with just some extra layers. And, um, and I really enjoyed it. And, and, um, it's something I would like to do again. Um, I, I should probably hit him up and be like, Hey man, you got any more work for me? You know, but, um, I really had a good time with that. Um, and again, it kind of made me realize like, oh, I don't need to have like, I don't need to be a orchestral composer to get into this line of work. Right. Um, and I don't need to be a like songwriter to do it either. Um, and so that was a cool experience. And the other one, um, was, um, uh, this, uh, oh, sorry, I'm, my train of thought is derailing here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was uh, like a couple months ago or maybe, oh gosh, it probably was like maybe even a year ago. Oh my God. Um, anyway, um, uh, another friend of mine um, was uh, hired to be, to be in a, um, like to be a performer at a bar in a movie scene. Um, and they needed a full band. He hit me up asking me to, to be the bass player in the scene. Um, and we actually recorded the audio of us performing it. And I believe that's what they used for the movie because they couldn't pay or they didn't want to pay for the rights of the original recording, maybe. Um, it was the T-Rex song, um, 20th Century Boy, yeah. right? Um, and... Yeah, yeah. And God, I played that song so many fucking times that day. Um, but it was fun, though. It was really fun. It's a fun. good song. It is a good song. <laughs> um, I believe the movie is out now. I think it's called Ghosted. Um, and I think it's got uh, Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. That's awesome. As the leads. Um, I mean, I, I know it does. I had forgotten that you did that. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it's been so long. Can you see um, you? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. It's on Apple TV, which I don't have. So I might, like, get it for, like, a week just to see if it's in there. That's but, a bummer. They should have sent you a copy. I, I mean, I agree. But, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, anyway, so that, I mean, it was just kind of like, again, it was a networking thing. It's like I knew somebody who knew somebody who needed a bass player that day right. to be in a movie. And I was like, oh, sure, why not? And, you know, it, it was like a... Um, it was a fun experience. And again, like we, we, as far as I know, I think I can't be certain until I see it that, that they use the recording of us performing it. Um, so you actually get to hear like us playing it, which is really dope because like that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess my point with all that is to say like, it's possible you can do this and it's not really as out of reach as it may seem. Um, it just takes the tenacity and then it takes like the network. So like, if you feel like you don't know enough people that are in it, like you said, Melody, like go to places where they do this. You know, I'm, I'm, we're lucky that we live in Atlanta and Atlanta happens to be a big film spot now. Yeah. But you know, if it wasn't that opportunity probably wouldn't have come up. Yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, even if you join ASCAP or BMI, um, they have events all the time, like yep. networking events. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, if you do take some of those Berkeley classes, I don't even know if you have to go to Berkeley. They do networking events all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do just to get your foot in the door. Because usually what happens is you kind of snowball. Like you'll yeah, meet one sure. person and mm -hmm. then they know somebody and then they know somebody and you can just kind of create this like network of people to call I mean, or that can call you. Yeah. Um, that is literally my, my, the reason I have a career in music. Yeah. <laughs> like that's literally it. So, I mean, I think that's, it's harder than it's, it is hard. It is hard for sure. Um, yeah. especially for musicians because a lot of people are introverts mm -hmm. and it's hard to just like put yourself out there. Yep. But if you can just go to a couple of things a year 
think you'll be surprised at how how many people you can meet. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just kind of putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll come up with a whole video on confidence for that because that would be really important to yes. to work on too. Because yeah. it's super intimidating when you're in a room full of like professionals to be like. I am also a professional. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be like <laughs> that person. So, yeah, we'll talk about that more. But it's it, it is hard, but it's not as impossible as it may seem. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at STD Podcast. If there's a topic that you would like to get our opinions on in the future, feel free to let us know via social media or email. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun, don't do too much, and it's gonna happen.